Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. For more information about us, visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. You know, this morning, I could not have planned certain things better because I think it gives such testimony. So many of the songs that were sung, I had no idea, had to do with light. This little display, this is me, this is who I am. Let the light shine on me. I'm thankful that the light of God shines on individuals and he creates this beautiful tapestry that he calls life. You know, as I I knew I was going to preach because... You know, by default, I, well, now that you've kind of put me on pastoral staff, but I didn't consider myself on pastoral staff. And I, and I wanted something so desperately that would bless the pastors because it is scriptural. God always took care of the pastors and it's our job to take care of them, not just once a year, but to encourage them, to uplift them, to help provide for them, to say, are you okay? All of them. And so I was racking my brains, but I knew in my heart that they wouldn't want you know, just something for them, but they would want the whole congregation to be drawn in. And as I was thinking and thinking what I would share one Sunday during worship, I sat there and you guys all know God speaks to me in pictures. I saw a living picture and it was Sammy, you know, the little one at the end, right? Sammy, you know, it makes you giggle when you say the word Sammy, because those who know Sammy know, oh, Sammy, (laughs) you know, there's a lot to Sammy. Well, Sammy came up to the front And she's looking around at the worship. And I don't know why, but I just kept looking. I'm like, why is she looking around? She's looking around. Bob a little bit. Her mom picked her up. She looked at her mom's face. Her mom was lost just in worship. And she kept looking and looking. And all of a sudden I realized she was capturing worship. And she was trying to figure out how can I be a part of it. It was awesome to watch. And all of a sudden, I'm, but like she was so intense. She kept looking at the congregation, looking at everything. And even though she would sing, it wasn't enough. Even though she would move, it wasn't enough. And finally, very slowly, she did this. She had been watching people lifting their hands, but she lifted a fist. And I just had to laugh because I said, Sammy, that is so Sammy. And as I watched her, I said, yes, God. Yes, Lord, let her be Sammy in your kingdom. That boldness that she goes where no kid would dare go, let her be that way for you. And God, let her worship you like she does, like a warrior, like a fighter. And I began to just pray over her and pray over her. And I realized that what I was praying for was what Pastor George spoke about last week, that calling and that commissioning of her life. And so many times when we come to God and we accept God as our our Savior, we say, yes, I want to be a Christian. I I want to know what this Jesus is all about. We think that everything about us is going to change, even the things we like, or those things that we see negatively about ourselves. But as Martina sang today, when you are in the presence of a holy God, everything changes. Everything. And so we need to look at and examine ourselves and see What things is God using to call us out today? What things is he asking us to do? And I looked, and one of the the scriptures that was already said was Ephesians 4.11. To some God called pastors and preachers and teachers. Sometimes God calls, and it's very specific. 
He has called you to be a pastor, a teacher, maybe a deacon, something with a title. But for most, it's not so specific. But there is something in the Word of God, Matthew 28, 19, if you want to turn there. And it says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So this morning, I tell you that even though God may not have said, you know, Toyin, I have called you to be prophetess of God, you know, which I do think Toyin has amazing prophetic gifts, but, um, you know, prophetess, even though she may not have had this title, she is still called to tell about Jesus. She is still called to rise up and bring the word to others. And that's a call that he gives to us. So in a sense... We are all ministers of the gospel. We are all preachers. We do have a commission. And I looked up commission because I said, you know, we say these Christian-like words, and what do they mean? And I think I lost my definition of it. But commission talks about to be given the authority to be put forth. And when I looked in the dictionary, a lot of military terms talks about commissioning. Well, we have the captain and the host of hosts who gives us that commission and who gives us our orders. So this morning, I not only want to give you biblical examples to maybe help you to know what it is that you've been called out to do, but I want to give you living, breathing examples who I know encourage me in my commissioning. And... So join me on this journey. We're going to talk about a few pastors today. But anyway, uh, I thought of myself. You know, when pastor was preaching that sermon last week, I was so excited. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Because I remembered the day when I knew I was commissioned. And I'm not talking about the day that I came up and I said, pray for me. You know, I want to believe in Jesus. Um, or pray for me, I'm sick. Or I'm talking about the day that I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that there was a God that he loved me. And I want you to know that I was goth before there was ever a goth. Because that day I had come from college. And you have to know I went away to Rochester. There were a lot of wealthy people there of which I was not. Uh, went there totally on scholarships and things like that, right? So I went to the University of Rochester, which is part of also Eastman School of Music. I went to both schools. And I came back to my church on Sunday. My mother said, you have to go to youth service. I guess she saw that I was a little in the flesh or not doing too well in college on my break. So I said, oh, yeah? I got to go to church on Friday? I was dressed in, from head to toe in black. I, well, back then they didn't call it goth. They called it artsy. And I put my, I had a little kerchief on. I was just dressed in black. And I, now, mind you, I was part of the Spanish Pentecostal church, very legalistic. So I had makeup everywhere. And I put on my earrings and I had my black and I walked in like, just tell me something. But for whatever reason, I, you know, I do, I do love worship. I do, I've always grown up in it in church. I sat in the second row. I crossed my legs and I'm looking around. And I kid you not, this is what went on these poor pathetic people that's the problem they're not educated minorities of this world they're not educated so they lean on this god as their crutch i mean it was really it was really like the stuff going on in my head and oh look at them you know really but then something happened the worship began all right i know this song okay the preacher began to speak and somewhere between his first words and his last words, there was like this stirring in my heart and something was happening. But I was still in control. And I said, God, 
if you want me at that altar, then you're going to have to bring me there because I am not going there. So I closed my eyes and I prayed. And I do not know how to this very day, but I ended up on my knees at that altar. I don't know. I really don't know if somebody took my hand and led me there. I don't know because I was so overcome by the presence of God. And I just began to cry and to cry. I want you to know service was over and there I was still crying at the altar. And thankfully, the minister was my grandfather, so he was just, leave her, leave her. (laughs) And so I I sat there and I was just bawling in the presence of the Lord. And I knew, I knew he was real. But more importantly, I knew there was something he wanted to do with me. So I got up, dried my face and, you know, waterproof mascara. Mm, Don't make a statement with non-waterproof mascara. It was ugly. It was everywhere. But um, I got up and I knew that he would use me. And the most awesome thing about it is that I came as I was. I came in my rebellion. I came as my thing. And I think that was part of my breaking. God, here I am. I practically cursed you when I walked in. I mocked your people. I, I... and you want me? You love me? And all of a sudden, something else happened. My perspective of my life changed. You see, before that, I, I could have been angry. I was angry at church people at times. My father had left. I was angry at them because I felt they were mean to my mom. I was angry at my dad because he had left. I felt rejected and I felt hurt. But you know something? When I got up from that altar, something happened. I no longer saw rejection. I no longer saw abandonment. I no longer saw sadness. I saw my God, how you supplied for me during those years. Lord, when my dad wasn't there, you sent people to pick us up to go to church. Lord, there was always food. Mom would pray over the pot and there was food. God, you sent me all these family that I love and God, you accept me. You know that phrase, half glass, half full? And, or you could see it empty or half full? I no longer saw things through rose-colored glasses. I began to see things through God-colored glasses. And that's why I can see a little Sammy with a fist and not dwell on the, the stuff that Sammy does, but I can see the stuff that Sammy will do. And that's what we need to do. We need to put on these God-colored glasses and look at ourselves through them. Because let me tell you something. Some people may look at me and they may say, Mo, this is Mo, she's 20 years old and she, you know, and, and she's short, she's overweight, she's Puerto Rican, always has her hair in a bony tail, you know, it's not much. But when I look at myself through God-colored glasses, I no longer see who I am because it says I am an heir to his throne. I am a, I'm, I'm one with him, right? So when I walk, I love those arches, by the way. I love these words on the wall, you know, because no matter how I feel about myself, no matter how I think about myself, when I walk through those doors and I see I am comforter, deliverer, all those words, I say, oh yeah, God, that's me too. And I begin to write. If I could bop, I would bop. But I don't know how to do that. That's not who I am. But I walk in here, and when I feel weak, I see strong tower. And I know that because I've accepted Christ, that's a part of who I am. Yes, God, I have a strong tower that I can run to. So my glasses, my opinion of who I am begins to change as I look at that. We've heard those songs, Come Just As You Are. And that means just that. It's not in the Bible. You won't find in the Bible, come as you are with your sin and all that stuff. But we know from the people who God called, and when they called them, 
that they came just as they are. He called Paul when he was persecuting Christians. He didn't wait to clean him up and make him look good and stop hurting the Christians. He said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? And Paul had that encounter and knew that God had something better. He went. He was still Paul, but that same passion with which he persecuted, he now went after the Christians to persuade them to Christ and to the people, to the Gentiles. We look at the women of the well who, who slept around. She was sleeping around. God said, I know you. He said, go and sin no more. So you can come as you are, but once you have that encounter, God asks you to go and sin no more and to put on his self. So many of you, many of you, God has been shaping and grooming and picking for a long time. And you say, but Melissa, I have nothing to offer. I do want to do stuff to God, but I have nothing to offer. I present to you exhibit A of a man who maybe had things to offer, but not necessarily to God. Can you roll that tape, Manny? He knew that someday it would make it here, and it did. But you know what? That's such a beautiful example, because whoever would have thought that this guy would end up holding a sword in the middle of the sanctuary, right? And you look at that, and I show that. I show that not to mock him, to make fun of him, to, to kind of laugh. Okay, maybe I want to laugh a little bit. But I show that to say, you think that that old George is different than our pastor today? You see, I see in that old Pastor George an anointing that God placed in him back then for today. Because that Pastor George is bold. That Pastor George is, hmm, hasn't he said to about himself that he is a storyteller? Well, you know, all those acting talents, all those things, I don't look at them as acting talents. I, I look at them as a deposit of an anointing that God placed in him as a child, that he would be able to stand before people and eyes would be drawn to him as he ministered the gospel of Christ. Because you see, when that little Cuban storyteller, sorry, I had to add the Cuban part in, but when he starts to tell those stories, I don't know about you, but I sit there and all of a sudden I'm there. I'm watching Samson hold his hands against the pillars. I'm watching Samson. I don't see Pastor George anymore. I see the word of God that's alive and breathing and active and speaking to my heart. You would tell me, oh, I have an acting talent. Oh, I like to stand before. God can use that. God created that. God deposited that in you. So I look at Pastor George, and, you know, another thing about him is that he was quite the ladies' man. We, we try to downplay that part, okay? But I wonder, I wonder how much of that misplaced love was really a seed that God put in his life to love others. He is the most loving, sensitive, kind man that I have ever had the fortune to meet but he loves with that sensitivity. Maybe it was a little misplaced in his youth, but I believe that God put that love for others there, women and men, <laughs> for, you know, for such a time as this. So some of you, you know, just have this incredible charisma with people. God has placed that in you as a deposit. I look at, I look at our other pastoral staff. I look at Sal. When I knew Sal, George likes to refer to them as the knuckleheads. I married one of those knuckleheads. But anyway, the knuckleheads. 
And, and he calls them the knuckleheads. And, and, I, and I, looked, I began to look at their life and I see Sal. Now when you look at Sal, his kind of worship, it isn't always, Jesus, you're so beautiful. Hallelujah, praise God. No, it's like, Jesus! There's like a warlike quality to it, right? And he beats on those drums. Sometimes I feel like, man, those things are just going to explode because he just begins to beat. And it's almost like a cry to arms of the body of Christ. He is calling us to worship God with all his might, with all his, with all our strength, with all our soul. And as he begins to worship and worship, he gets lost. But his desire is we would come in. But you know what? He didn't start out like that. He started out like a knucklehead thug on the street fighting on the streets. That passion, that fight started back then. You see, there was, when God created him, he said, I am going to knit in his mother's womb a little warrior and he is going to do warfare in my kingdom. He is going to sound out the battle cry. He is going to cause people to join in ranks as they worship. It's back then. And he liked martial arts. Surprise, surprise. So you don't know this, but you have like a black belt, right? In karate, or he did karate, he does karate stuff. Okay, he can do that kind of stuff. He's tough. He always talked, I used to dance back then. And you know, and he likes to come here and whatever, and you know, and do his, because that's who God created him to be. So, you know, I'm sure he didn't start out with when he came to the Lord saying, okay, God, I am going to be a music minister in Sanctuary Fellowship someday. No. He just came with what he had, and God used what was already implanted in him. I look at Pastor Gary. You know why I love Pastor Gary? And I'll share it with you as we go on and I tell you about my own stuff. He doesn't care. He doesn't care that you go, Gary, why are you making fun of my voice? We all do it, right? You can never tell a Gary story without doing the voice, right? He doesn't care. He just cares about the presence of God. So he doesn't care if he's sitting here jumping up like this. And he doesn't dance like everybody else. Or he doesn't speak like anyone else. He knows who his God is. You know, many of you don't know that Pastor Gary came from a lot of abuse. Pastor Gary was seriously abused as a child. He is the only one that I know that could speak of the love of the Father so passionately. He always encourages, be intimate, be intimate, be intimate. And you know why? Because I think that God created him with a desire for that intimacy. That he was going to go know. I think of the disciples and how John always had the chest, the head against Christ's chest. When we look at those pictures, you know, it's John who's laying on, on Jesus' chest at the Last Supper. I see Pastor Gary like that, always with his head laid, right? right to the father because he just always talks about God's presence and you know why I believe it because he was created with that desire for intimacy with God and when his own parents when his people when his own family hurt him and rejected him he found that place of intimacy with God it's so special to him it's so beautiful to him he knows that nothing matters when he's there and that's what he wants you to see he wants you to feel the father that he has touched and that he has felt. I love him because he's a beautiful teacher of God's word because that's where he's found his comfort. You know, the call and the commission is not hard. The problem is we have to receive it. 
We have to believe it. And I think that many people get stuck in the calling. Like after last week's sermon, yeah, 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 we're praying here. Yes, God, yes, God. And then it's like, now what? And it's because we're not looking at ourselves in those, in those glasses. But people get stuck because they don't feel that they have anything to offer. Do you know that I was singing on a worship team and didn't realize that that was maybe a gift that God had given me? It took a woman in my church to come up to me and give me a little card one day. Say, thank you so much for ministering as part of the worship team. And, and it's, it must be so nice to know that this is where God would have you minister. That the calling is so clear. It was so clear that I didn't even realize it. I just thought it's something that I did. You know, I, it's something I can do that. But I didn't realize that, hey... That very thing, I'm going to use it. And sometimes we have talents. Where are the artists in the house? Angel, Margie, Jennifer, who else? Where are the artists in the house? We have artists. Portia, whoever Portia's hands has up. We have artists in the house of the Lord. Where are those who are skilled laborers? Any carpenters, any construction people, any, anything like that? Okay. Where are the writers in the house? Anybody who likes to write? Anybody who likes to write, wow, there are a lot of writers here in the house. Well, begin to write those poems and share them. Begin to write sermons. Begin to write songs. Begin to write plays. Begin to write cards and share them with people. Sometimes the very things that you just like to do can be used in the kingdom of God. Where's Aixa? Anybody know Aixa? Okay. Aixa is very shy. I've had not had this conversation with Aixa, but Aixa impacts me profoundly every time she comes to the house of the Lord. You know why? She has a giving spirit. She has a loving, nurturing spirit with children. She just takes such delight in them. They can be doing I don't know what. And she's like, oh, so cute. When I want to rip out my hair, right? She has that gentle quality about her. Aixa, you may not feel that God uses you, but I'm going to tell you how powerfully God used you in my life this week. I was feeling discouraged. I was really discouraged, right? I was discouraged because, well, there was a little check that bounced, okay? And I said, well, I'm not going to be able to put it back until whatever. I, I, financially, I was discouraged. Well, I opened my microwave to make some popcorn because when I'm discouraged or stressed out, I eat. So I opened up the mic to make some popcorn, and all of a sudden, I began to pull out the bread that Aixa gives me every Sunday. She didn't know I was going to say this, and I know that there's a little pouch. We have, yep, Mark is saying yes, a little pouch has been delivered. Every Sunday, Aixa brings bread to my son because he loves that bread. So she brings that for him. He will always know that Aixa bought him bread every Sunday and he was something special for her but I say that because as I pulled out that bread God spoke to me very clearly I wasn't thinking about anything but my popcorn and God said do I not even bring you bread every week how can you worry how can you worry so Aixa you may have done that for a little boy but what you don't know is that God used that little token to encourage my faith to encourage and to say, I am with you, Mo. I have your back. I take care of you, don't I? I send someone with bread to you every single week. You have breakfast every Monday morning on me and on Aixa. 
And many of you don't realize that the little things you do have mighty, mighty, mighty impacts in the kingdom of God. They don't have to be huge titles, positions, but they are all necessary and they all need it. So many of you think you don't have anything to offer. Some of you don't know how to do it. You come to the Lord, you want to know more about God, but I have to tell you, it's not going to happen through osmosis. You have to read the Bible. You have to come out and learn to pray. If you don't know how and are afraid to come by yourself, grab someone that you've seen often. I was so thankful a few weeks ago, a young woman called me and said, you know, I didn't know who to come to with this problem. And I, I decided that, you know, I, I just wanted to come to you. I was like, thank you. I'm so thankful that now I can go and I can pray with somebody and she can encourage me and I can encourage her. She's not just sitting there wallowing by herself suffering. She's beginning to make a difference. And I believe that as she grows and as she gets strengthened and as she works through that, that God is going to do mighty and awesome things through her. So this morning, if you don't know how and you want to know more about Jesus, grab somebody. Don't let the opportunity go by. Some of us think that what we have needs to look like something else. This is where I was going to rap this morning. I had written up a rap because it's not me. So I wanted to do something that was totally not me because that's another thing we try to do. We try to jump into something else that is really not us and that we're not flowing through. But we have to, I'm going I'm to be even really real with you guys. Something that nobody knows in this place. When this church was started, I said, we, I remember Pastor George went around the table and he said, Mo, he said, okay, I want all of you, tell me what God's been speaking to your heart. How will you serve in this new church called Sanctuary Fellowship? I remember like it was yesterday, we were sitting in, in um, Sal's table and he's going around, and, but I knew one thing, because I didn't want anybody to look at me for this. When it came around to me, before I even said what God had been speaking to my heart, which was about the children's ministry, I said, well, I know one thing for sure. I don't want to have anything to do with any kind of worship. And I think I might have been a little harsh when I said it. But do you know why I said it? I'm going to be very honest. I think I said it before I was rejected. Because I said, they don't want me. Their kind of worship is Sal's kind of worship. Oh, Lord, and here, I don't do that. That's not, oh, well, you know, I do do that. But you know what I mean? It's not, you know, Sal is this warrior. They were going into this different kind of worship that, that I don't really do. I'm softer. I sing love songs. I love, I cry before the Lord. I, I worship differently. I didn't want to be rejected because I didn't think they wanted me because I didn't look like that. My worship didn't look like that. My talent didn't look like that. Well, guess what God says to that? He said, I don't care that it doesn't look like that because I have not created you to look like that. Right? So this morning, for those of you who think your talent or what you bring has to look like something, has to be like something, you know, I think of Stacy. Stacy said it. Wow, everyone just set up everything so nicely for me today. Stacy said, We're like twins. It's funny, you know, I am years old and I and I am substantially older than her. 
But I kid you not, at the beginning, when Pastor began to give away some of the stuff that I did to Stacy, at first I was like, I'm not doing it well enough. Like I did. I felt like he's giving it away because I'm not good enough at it. And then, and, you know, oh. But then something happened. As I began to give away some stuff, ooh, I could do different kind of stuff. Or it's a lot easier to do my stuff. And then the awesome thing happened that Stacy and I became good friends. And I am convinced that there is nothing that can't be done with the two of us put our heads to it. It's amazing because she has talents and areas that I couldn't even dream of. And it's such an amazing thing when it begins to work together and come together. It's like, wow, I couldn't do that by myself. Everybody is needed in the body of Christ because when you all work together, there's nothing that is impossible with God. You know, so a lot of us feel that it has to look something or what we have is not good enough or, or somebody's already doing it. Well, get along with them and do it better. Add what you have to the pot, to the mix. Be encouraged. And it might not happen right away. Maybe you come with this great play and you come to Diana and you go, oh, Diana, I have this great play. And Diana may look at it and go, oh, this is nice, but, you know, we can't do this right now. Don't get discouraged and leave. Say, that's okay. Can I join the drama ministry anyway? I guarantee you that as you begin to submit and work alongside and and just work it out, that there's going to come a time when that play is going to be just perfect, just right, because God has given it to you. Right? So, so, the call and the commission is not hard. You just need to begin to look at yourself through those God-colored glasses. And some of you are really struggling because you're putting yourself down, you're looking at other people. Some of you feel insignificant. Can we do that now? I want to give you a human picture of what happens when you begin to put pieces together. So if the drama team can come forward and just show us that. It's not necessarily all the drama ministry, but these are souls brave enough to help with this. Something begins to happen as you move in what God has called you to do. The machine gets bigger. The machine can get faster. The machine could keep going and we can go across this entire room. And the thing is, though, if you remove one of the parts, it loses its connectiveness. It loses its effectiveness. So if I were to take him out of the equation, technically, you would have to stop. You would have to stop, okay? So thank you guys. Okay, so we can see how it all works together, right? And God gave me the picture, this picture of, have you ever seen one of those cranks? Kind of like this, I could, we couldn't find one. Those cranks, that crank and all the little wheels and they all turn and the wires, right? Kind of like a bicycle. Even like if you looked at a bicycle pedals, God gave me that picture. Some of you are those little tiny wheels that keep the bigger wheels going, that keep the chains on. And I'm going to shout them out this morning, but one of those people I feel is my husband, Mark. Okay? And sometimes... Sometimes those little wheels feel very insignificant because they're not given a title. They're not given a thing. But I'm here to tell you, 
people who come and clean the church. I'm here to tell you people who go to events to support other people. I'm here to tell you those who maybe watch kids while couples are going out. I'm here to tell you those who just give a letter or a smile. I'm here to tell you those who contribute in the offering plate because you don't know what to do. You are the little wheels that keep things going. And God says you are essential to that whole operating unit. Do not put yourself down. Do not say that you are nothing because you have to remember that God's word defines you and God's word alone. So his word says, I am more than a conqueror. It doesn't matter what position in that machine I've been placed in. I am the begin. I am the head and not the tail. We have to remember and look through those God colored glasses. When we begin to feel discouraged, when we be feel that we don't have a part, do you know that, you know, thank you for whoever called us this morning to say there's no toilet paper in the bathroom. What would happen on a Sunday morning with no toilet paper in the bathroom? Don't come and shake my hand if you've been in the bathroom and there's no toilet paper in the bathroom. You know what I mean? These are essential. You think they're silly. But they keep the church flowing. They keep the church operating. This morning, I'm here to tell you that God has a plan for you. That God has a calling and an anointing. And it may not look like what you think it's going to look like. This morning, those things that you're struggling with, confess them, let them go, or use them. We talked about Sal being a fighter in the streets. That didn't just change overnight. That took, that took time, right, for God to work that out. Well, if you, some of you can't realize that calling because there's areas of sin in your life that you just won't let go of or you're struggling to let go of. Confess it to someone. Let someone else know. Let them pray with you about it. Let them talk to you about it. We can't do this by ourselves, no? I mean, I know that whenever I try to do something by myself, it, it's not as successful as when I call a Stacy or call Jesse or do something like that. We need to begin to trust each other and say, pray for me, help me, uh, you know, and begin to clean that stuff out. Because all the people that God called, he said, go and sin no more. He didn't knock them over the head. He didn't beat them. We're not going to beat you. It's God who's going to do that work. But we want to stand alongside you and strengthen you for that. Please don't limit God's movement in you to how you view or feel about yourself. You know, today we honor men who pour out weekly, daily, monthly. I'm, my grandfather was the minister of the church, and I know what it's like to get calls late in the morning. Pray, so-and-so's in the hospital. I know that sometimes birthdays are missed. I know that sometimes, you know, there are sacrifices, real sacrifices that are made. And I think that today, the best way that we could honor our pastors and honor the God that we love is to say, God, here I am. I commit. I not only say, yes, God, I love you, but I commit to saying, God, I want to know you more. I want to be used of you. And I want to to live a lifestyle that's right before you. 
And I think that if these men would have one wish, that's what they would say. That Pastor George would probably say, Oh God, that each person would rise up with the calling that they have in your life and just begin to, to run. I think that Pastor Sal would say, oh, that the people would worship him in spirit and in truth with their lifestyle, with their worship, with all that they have. And that Pastor Gary would say, oh, God, that they would know the heart of you as they get into your word and into your presence. This morning, remember, it's not about you. It's about the God that lives in you. So as we pray... I'm going to have a a special prayer this morning. First, I I just want to pray for anyone who's here who may say, I want to know the Lord more. I, 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 I see it, you know, and, and I do want to, I do want to walk in the ways of the Lord. I also want to call out to those who would say, you know what, Melissa, I have been sitting on my talents. I have been putting down what I have to offer, or I may not know what it is that I have to give, but I'm ready to start finding out about it. There may be people that say, Melissa, I'm struggling with this area of my life and I need someone to come alongside and pray for me so I can break this thing off and put it behind me once and for all. So this morning as the worship team comes, I'm going to just say, I want to pray with you because I believe for what God has placed in your life. I believe those deposits that he's placed in your life. If you have this desire for addiction, then God, may you break addiction and move that to such a desire to serve you and for a thirst for your word. Whatever it is that you struggle with today, or if you just want prayer and somebody to pray with you today, I'm just going to ask you to come. I'm going to be really bold, and I'm just going to say, just come, and we'll pray with you. I'm going to ask our pastor and our pastoral staff to just come, because I also want the church to let's pray for them as well, right? I'm going to ask Toyin if you can prepare yourself to pray. But before we even pray for our pastoral staff, I want our pastoral staff to just begin to, to, to bless you. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for today, oh God. We thank you, God, that you, Lord Jesus, are Lord of all. We thank you, Lord, that it's not about how we feel about ourselves, what we know and we don't know, Lord. But Father, we pray that today, Lord... We would move knowing that we are because you are. That we can, Lord God, because you did first, God. And this morning we just ask, Lord, that those that are hungry for you would come, oh God. That those that are saying, Lord God, I have sat on my talents, Lord, or I have put them down. Father, that we could just pray a prayer of encouragement. So those that need encouragement today, come. Those that need hope, those that need someone to stand beside them and link arms with them, come. Jesus. Jesus. Oh, Father, I just pray that you would just begin to reveal yourself, oh God, in ways that only you can. Help us to look at children and pray words of life over them, Lord God, that we would see their destiny, God, and begin to mold it even as young children, God. Help us, Lord, to encourage the talents in others, Lord God. Oh, Jesus, I just pray, Lord, that you would give us those God-colored glasses today. That we would know we are good enough. Anybody struggling with being good enough? I call this sermon, I am good enough. Even though I may not always feel that way. 
So if anyone needs encouragement today, I'm just going to put the microphone down. We're going to begin to pray for people. I just tell you, come. Because you are good enough. He's given it to you since the beginning of time. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.